What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for geek. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. For today's interview, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me one of the stars of the CW Stargirl, Eric Goins. Uh, Welcome, Eric. Hi. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely, yes. Um, so, Eric, before I go further, first of all, want to say congratulations on getting a second season for Stargirl. How does that feel? Well, it's super exciting. I think everybody really poured their heart into the show, and I know the show means a lot to Jeff, um, and just as a reward for everybody working so hard to get a second season, it's really, it's really amazing. Yeah, I had spoken with Neil Hopkins, I believe, about a week or so ago, and this was prior to the announcement, and I know that he was hoping for that. So it's really cool that now, by the time I speak with you, the word is official. There's going to be another season. (laughs) So exciting. So exciting. And so with season one, that was on DC Universe, the app, and then also premiering on the CW. But now it's been revealed that the second season will be exclusive on the CW network. Is there going to be any changes for you guys moving forward with the filming? Or do you not know that just yet with everyone pretty much still being in quarantine? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't know, um, but uh, there are a lot of things, there are a few things that we do know, and Jeff Johns is going to be at the helm still, and so, you know, with him at the helm, I think everyone feels very good about where we're heading. Awesome. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job, and it's really amazing seeing all of the positive reactions for Stargirl. Um, that's just really amazing. I'm happy that it got renewed. But so you play a character called Steve Sharp, a.k.a. The Gambler. And for those who may not be overly familiar with your character, can you just kind of explain for us uh, who who The Gambler is? Yeah, well, The, the Gambler um, first showed up in a Green Lantern episode, and he comes from a long line of compulsive gamblers. Um, luck had its way with his life and he vowed to become a new person, um, after he had, uh, um, won a little bit of a lottery and, um, he got obsessed with a life of crime and, uh, he's kind of, uh, an interesting fella in that he likes to turn the knife quite a bit. I mean, he was known to be standing outside post offices next to his own wanted poster um, just to, to get a rise out of people. He's a little bit of a lesser known character throughout the comics, um, uh, but he was, uh, he was a, a very good adversary to the Green Lantern. 
And I was definitely going to say that he is certainly a character, especially when you're playing Steve Sharp. And obviously you don't have, say, the same accent that your character does. What goes into developing someone like Steve Sharp? Yeah, you know, I think I did a lot of research on Steve Sharp's background. I looked at his pictures and what he looked like. In the comic books, I had conversations with Jeff about, um, you know, what this person, uh, what the gambler, what made up the gambler. And um, I landed on one part riverboat gambler, which is very, very obvious um, if you just look at him and, and just him being called the gambler. I think that gives him a lot of charisma and a lot of confidence just being a gambler. Um, and then one part Tony Soprano for me because I think uh, the gambler is dangerous in that way, kind of like a quiet manipulator. Uh, manipulator. Um, and then for me, just to have some fun, one, one part Colonel Sanders. So <laughs> just bringing all those three things together into one character, someone who's charismatic and interesting and a little bit, I mean, he wears a, you know, a crevasse in his, in his shirt. So he's eccentric, he's interesting, he's charismatic, but he's also got to be deadly. And so I kind of narrowed in on those three figures to kind of bring them together to, to create the gambler in my interpretation. Yeah, I love that you use the Colonel Sanders to uh, compare to because I can see that you certainly yeah. don't. <laughs> you certainly don't see someone like that often, especially going to say a high school football game. But there's just something about it that's just so unique, and um, as you said, also deadly, and that kind of works to his advantage because I feel that a character like that is so unassuming. Would you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I think he has to be unassuming because, you know, most if not all the other superheroes and supervillains are gifted with some kind of like extraordinary ability. So they, either they're incredible fighters or they have a ring or they can fly or they have some they have a, um, a staff. They have something that makes them more than. And the gambler doesn't have that. He basically has his wits. He has a, you know, he has a small pistol and he knows how to throw knives. Other than that, it's up to his wits and his intelligence to survive. And I think as a, just out of necessity, um, he has to be a manipulator. I mean, Jeff and I spoke about him and, you know, the way Jeff kind of described him is that the gambler is the villain amongst the villains. So I took that to mean that the gambler is always doing what he needs to do in the present in order to get what he wants sometime future down the line. So he can't create a situation where he has to come to blows with either an adversary or someone in the ISA. He has to outthink them, outmaneuver them. So he's kind of like the consummate chess player who's playing everybody to get what he wants, which is ultimately nothing but money. Like he has no redeeming qualities at all. You know, like <laughs> like if you watch the show, I mean I think by now, episode eight, we understand that Jordan slash Icicle is, you know, he's doing some pretty bad things for some some for some reasons that he feels are altruistic. And at the end of the day, the gambler doesn't share that view. The gambler just wants money and he's going to do whatever it takes and get on board whatever train he has to to get what he wants. 
I guess you could say that realistically money is kind of the root of all evil because don't mess with someone's money. They will show you how great of a villain they can actually be. That's absolutely right. Especially the gambler. Do not mess with his stuff. Exactly. And how is it for you, Eric, to play a villain like this? Are you finding that it's uh, refreshing? Is it kind of difficult at times? You know, how how do you uh, work being a villain for this show? I don't know what it says about me, but I really love it. (laughs) It's, 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 It's a lot of fun and it comes it comes really easy because uh, I mean, the great thing about a comic book supervillain being brought to life on TV is that there are, there are no expectations about what the character can and can't do. And I've always thought that in stories, the people who are the most dangerous and the people who are, um, uh, the most evil are the ones that never let you know. And when they're doing something awful, they're smiling about it. And I always find that to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more concerning than watching someone be mean overtly. And the gambler created this great opportunity where I could do some really terrible things, but have a smile on my face and enjoy doing it. And, you know, everyone is the hero in their own story, and I think the gambler takes that to an extreme. And being the hero in your own story means that you enjoy what you do, even if it's bad stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I, that, I believe, is what makes not only the gambler, but all of the characters in Stargirl feel so fleshed out and well-rounded. Because I feel like they all kind of have those sort of... Um, things to them that just make them really enjoyable to watch, even if they are, say, a bad guy. But they're always smiling, and everyone likes someone who smiles. (laughs) Yeah. There's a humanity Um, to their evilness. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. Um, And I know that you say can't spoil anything for us, but we do have a few episodes left, and what should the fans expect from The Gambler in those upcoming episodes? I mean, I think The Gambler is going to continue to do what he has to do to stay at the at the helm of this ISA experiment, and he's going to help in any way he can to keep his his hands on the puppet strings as much as he can um, and play a, uh, play a role in, in making this happen. I mean, we've already established that he's kind of the hacker and the tech person, and, um, you know, he's going to be a valuable asset to their, to their experiment. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still – he's in it for himself. So um, I think it's going to be more the same, more manipulation and more fun and enjoying what he's doing to get what he wants. Exactly. And so now that Stargirl is already part of the DC universe and it's moving exclusively to the CW, which also is home to a lot of DC comic adapted shows, have superheroes ever really been an interest to you, comic books, or is this kind of your first time uh, stepping your toes in? You know, I grew up watching um superhero shows all the time i mean i 
I, I'm not old enough to watch the original airing of it, but I, I would watch George Reeves' Superman, and I used to watch the old Batman and Robin episodes, uh, Green Lantern, Shazam, uh, all of those. I love Flash. That's one of my favorite shows as an adult right now is I love the CW's Flash. And so I've always been a real sucker for superhero shows. Um, I didn't do the actual comic books as much, but I do like graphic novels. Um, mm-hmm. So I've read those. And and it's, it's a dream to get to step into one of these worlds um, because the storylines are so fun and they're so iconic, but also the people who support the, the stories and, and the whole genre are incredibly giving and encouraging and supportive of the work we're doing, which is, which is amazing. Like you, you immediately feel like you're part of a culture um, that I never knew existed. I mean, I, I would always watch the comic book shows in a vacuum by myself. Right. But there's this huge culture out there that has accepted the show and just really embraced it, which, which I, I never really understood until the show kind of hit the airwaves and, and, just because of the success and and um, the good reviews that it's getting, the the culture, the, the fans have just really embraced everyone involved in the show, which is really cool. Yeah, there's absolutely a huge community in the comic book world. I feel like, like you, I wasn't ever really a comic book reader, but I have watched all the Marvel movies, the DC movies, the TV shows. So a comic book lover without really reading the comic books. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I was. Yeah. And I do think that the CW does the Flash really well. So needless to say, now that Stargirl is exclusively a part of the CW realm, you would want a crossover with, say, the Flash. Oh, I mean, I love the Flash. I would, (laughs) yeah, that would be, that would be like icing on a cake. That's awesome. That's awesome. And if you weren't playing the character that you're playing now, Stephen Sharp, who in the superhero realm would you feel that you would want to play? Ah, oh, great question. Um, I think I think Shazam would be a lot of fun to play. I think he's got a similar charisma about him, um, especially the way that it's currently being portrayed. Uh, if it was strictly like, are you are you talking about in general or, or on the actual show Star Girl? Oh, just in general, yeah. Yeah, I think if it was in general, I think uh, Shazam or um, or obviously the Flash, um, <laughs> but but Shazam's probably top of my list. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So you really enjoyed the Shazam movie with Zachary Levi because they're definitely coming out with a second one for that. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I, I, I love the, his take on the character, and it's fun, and it's lighthearted, and I, I, I would really enjoy playing that role for sure. That would be awesome. That was such a fun character and a fun movie to experience and see in the theaters. And so I know that 
we are talking Stargirl, but when I looked at your by uh, your filmography, I noticed that you were in one of my favorite shows of all time, and I was like, that's where I've seen his face before, and it's Halt and Catch Fire, and I kind of just have to ask you, um, you know, obviously the role there was, say, smaller than your role in Stargirl, but what would you say are the differences between filming more of a drama series, I guess you would say, Halt and Catch Fire is, as opposed to a comic book superhero show like Stargirl? What are the differences? Yeah. Um, you know, probably the biggest differences were, like, when we were filming Halt and Catch Fire, they were... Actually, you know, come to think of it, there are more similarities than differences, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, um, you know, my role on Stargirl is a little bit more lighthearted and um, and charismatic, and it's it's not as large of a role as it was on Halt and Catch Fire. But the interesting thing is, like, so with Halt and Catch Fire, we were we had to be held to a very um, specific storytelling because those events actually occurred and so we had people on set for halt and catch fire who actually lived the story that we were telling and they would they would come on and look at the set and make sure that we had the appropriate things the computer looked the way it should and the the office looked the way it should so we were being held to a a very specific story much like you know star girl where these this world existed before we started filming it and so we have to we have to hold ourselves to a certain story and, and certain elements of the story and then live within those. Um, I would say there was a lot of commonality between telling those two types of stories because they were based on previously told events, either in a comic book or through history. That is really cool and interesting to think about that there was, um, you know, people on set in Halt and Catch Fire to really make sure that you were remaining historically accurate. Uh, I guess I would say then with Stargirl, at least you're portraying a character who's in the modern age as opposed to the 80s, although it might have been pretty cool to kind of do a blast from the past and live in another era. It was so cool to 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 be donned up in 80s clothes and have an 80s haircut and it was pretty neat because I, I grew up in the 80s and so it was really nostalgic for me to shoot that show which is similar to Stargirl right the nostalgia of, of walking through a comic book and 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 while I wasn't as familiar with the characters on Stargirl prior to working on it I was obviously very familiar with with story storytelling through the comic books and DC and 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 it's just a it's just a fun way to to go to work every day. Yeah, and you have to love what you do, and I can definitely see that from your portrayal with the character that you're just really bringing your all, which you know the fans always appreciate. Um, Eric, if my research is correct, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You know, the internet isn't always up to date, but it seems like you kind of started your career about, say, 2014. Um, what would you say, how would you kind of define your career as it has been so far? Yeah, so my career, depending on what career you're talking about, um, 
I actually Acting. started, <laughs> right? Like, cause I had, so I spent a lot of time doing uh, improvisational comedy for, oh. for many, many years. And I started that in 98, actually. I, I walked into an improv show. My friends took me to an improv show on my birthday in 98. And up until that point, I had no expectations or an inkling that I would find myself in, in the entertainment industry. I was working in, in more of a corporate capacity, and I worked at Coca-Cola, and I worked at Home Depot, and I worked at, in more of a corporate setting. And I walked into this improv show, and I fell in love with what was going on on that stage. And so I decided to audition for class having never done an audition before and i just threw myself into it i i the only way i can explain it is that the chemistry in my brain changed as soon as i started taking improv and i i just started thinking and behaving in a different way that that brought out my best self and so as that kind of started to evolve uh about four years in probably around 2004 I got a call from a friend saying, hey, I'm at this audition, and uh, they're looking for someone just like you, and it was a commercial audition, and I was like, I, I don't have an agent. I don't, I've never been to an audition. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. He's <laughs> like, take a picture of yourself and print it out and bring it. It is a terrible headshot. It's black and white. It's out of focus. It's me. My head's too big in the frame, and it's this really terrible brick wall behind me, but I ended up getting a call back for the audition, which means that they're bringing you back for a second round. And the agent decided to sign me. So should I book that audition? You know, I'm on their roster. And so they, they'll get a commission off my, off my booking. I still have that agent today. And then oh, wow. I started working in the commercial and industrial, um, kind of like the corporate video type environment um, until 2008 when the tax incentives uh, were passed here in Georgia which brought a lot of television and film um, uh, to the state of Georgia and having those relationships with the casting directors already kind of put me in the right spot at the right time to start auditioning for TV and film. And that took a little time to, to kind of get a, get some traction. Um, I don't know. I don't know if my first credit was in 2014. I'm not sure when it was, uh, but uh, probably right around that time, maybe, maybe 2010, 2011, maybe working on smaller things um, is when things really started taking off for me. And, um, and I haven't looked back since. And, and it's been a great ride. I mean, it's a tough, um, being an actor, being in any arts career is, is, is tough, right? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough road. But if you find yourself as a person who really feels like they need to be part of telling a story. You know, the world needs um, doctors and teachers and lawyers and, and um, landscape designers, but the, the world needs storytellers. And if you feel like you are a storyteller and that that's your path in life, then, then you're prepared to take the road, even if it's, if it's a difficult one, because nothing else brings you the joy that being a part of a story does. And it took me a little longer in life to find that, that path, but um, it's been very rewarding for me personally so far. And I, I love that. I think a lot of people think that to be an actor, something that you had to have started when you were a teen, maybe even younger and not realizing that you can always find your way into that career, even though, as you said, and I could imagine it being difficult. 
Yeah, it's difficult. And and I think anyone can do it. Like people tell me all the time. I, I've been performing live in improv uh, for 20 years now. And people always tell me, oh, I could never do that. And I was like, no, you can. Anyone can do it. You just have to believe that you can. I didn't like speaking in public when I started doing improv. But I decided it was an area that I wanted to improve. And so I really kind of bought into it. And I think for any actor, the key is just enjoying the process of being an actor. Like those auditions and breaking down a script and, and being a part of telling the story. And what I have found is if you focus on that process, then the product comes, then, then you do start working. And, and if you don't, if you don't grade yourself each year on, well, what did I book? How many bookings did I have more? And you, and you grade yourself more on, am I enjoying this? Like, did I really get to engage myself in a story and, and tell my version of it and my perspective of it, even if it's just an audition, um, then that's something you can hang your hat on and, 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 and grow on and, and really hold on to because, you know, not everybody books all the time. It's a, it's a really tough, tough road being an actor for sure. <laughs> well, it's a great thing that you're on Stargirl, which is, I got in its second season, it's going to a cable network and that's just really awesome. So I am definitely sure that that's going to open up a lot of doors. Um, you mentioned that you've been doing improv now for quite some time. I know with everything being shut down that it's probably difficult to kind of book those gigs, but do you have anything upcoming, maybe a virtual improv? That's a great question. So I was just, so I don't work with a, um, I'm not attached to a specific theater anymore. Um, mm -hmm. my, my wife, who I met doing improv, my wife is an actor as well as an improv, uh, improver improviser that's so cool that's the right word yep we met at our improv theater and we actually performed together for about 10 years so she and i started a troupe with two of our best friends who are also a married couple and just so happened to be my my daughter's godparents so the four of us started an improv troupe called the buskers and um we we basically mainly just do charity events so if an organization was trying to raise money and they were doing an event around that, then we would come in and perform as part of that event and help that organization, you know, raise funds. Um, and we haven't, we just talked the other night and we were talking about how much we wanted to do something. And I don't know what that's going to look like right now. You know, improv is one of those things where I always, I always talk about improv as being kind of like this, it's a machine, and so like when the doors close to the theater, everybody in there, the audience, the crew, the performers, they're all kind of working together to, to create this experience on stage, and it requires all of them to do it to the, to the best success. And I'm, I'm not sure what that looks like on like a virtual experience because the machine is kind of scattered all over the Internet. And there's something about closing the doors to a theater where everybody kind of makes an agreement that we're all going to work towards this goal of having a great experience that I don't know. I don't, I haven't figured out how that translates to doing something online yet. Yeah, it certainly will have to be an adjustment, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, besides, you know, trying to figure out uh, improv and how to do that moving forward do you have any other projects that maybe you had worked on prior to all these lockdowns that we should be keeping our eyes out on 
Yeah, I have an episode of Cobra Kai coming out in season three. Just one episode there, but for the oh, most, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, but for the most part, last year the totality of my work was on Star Girl. I mean, the facial hair that I wear on Star Girl is my own. Is that actual my facial hair? So oh. you know, seven months of a long chin beard and handlebar mustaches, they're not transferable to a lot of other shows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, it kind of rules me out of all the other, uh, work going on in the market. Um, but happily so. So, um, my focus for the most part last year was, was, was star girl. Right. I didn't realize that, that that was your own facial hair. So I can see that um, maybe not being as uh, easy to, tra- <laughs> to transfer. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very specific kind of look that... <laughs> that... That definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, Eric, it has been wonderful speaking with you. I'm so excited to be able to say congratulations on a second season of Stargirl, and I can't wait to watch the rest of the episodes as they come out because it's just nice to have great content during this crazy time. So I thank you for taking the time to speak with me and just giving it your all to this role on such an amazing show. Well, thanks for having me, and I want to say thank you to you and, and people just like you who are supporting the show in like these incredible ways because, I mean, without the fans being so excited and so supportive, then, you know, you really just don't have this kind of success that is available and that's going on right now with the with this show. So the fans are such a huge part of that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Oh. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right, Eric. Well, thank you again, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.